This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. If you are hearing this broadcast, seek shelter immediately. Do you have paranormal powers? If you do, I get $5,000. And you like that contest? And then we take a look at the story of a man who claimed he had paranormal powers. Nobody really took him seriously until football teams began disastrously losing games. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a lot of stuff to cover. So we're going to get started right away. You remember the old episodes, like the first like 100 episodes? I was like, my day was great. And I'd spend like four or five minutes talking about just random stuff. Not anymore. I put that stuff in the middle of the episode now to trick you. First off, is that way you're already engaged in the story. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Mokushi. Mokushi, thank you very much for supporting the show. You are going to be our captain, our pilot, our gunner, maybe, if we have, like, a gun in this one. We don't. And then, if you can't support the Patreon, that's fine, too. Just help get the word out about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Still sending out supporter stickers for Patreon supporters. And we have merch in the merch store. That's all in the show notes below. Like, I I keep hitting home. I'm going to be going on vacation soon. That means more video game time for me. Didn't you just say you don't spend time talking about random stuff? Mokushi, let's go ahead and hop. In the Jason Jalopy, we're going for a drive. We're going down to Hollywood. Mokushi, we're driving through streets of LA. We got our sunglasses on. I got a big hat. That's it. No other clothes. We're driving through LA. We're going to a place. We're not just down there to sightsee. We're going to the Center for Inquiry Investigations Group. These guys have made it their mission to prove the unprovable or unprove the impossible, however you want to put it. They're a group of skeptics. They consider themselves the largest paranormal investigation group in the world because they do investigate the paranormal, but they investigate the fun out of it. So, I mean, and I do the same thing for the most part, but I also believe in like ghosts and aliens and all all that stuff. There's just certain narratives that I'm like, eh. And even ghost stories, a lot of times I'll shred into pieces because I don't think they work. But I I enjoy the realm of the unknown. And these guys might too. But these guys actually go the extra effort to basically bring weirdos to their location and come up with impossible tests that really nobody can pass. So we pull up outside the center for inquiry. And I get out and Mokushi's like, so why are we here though? Like, are we here to debunk stuff or are we here... To prove, like, the world's supernatural, because you believe that? And I go, Mokushi, you, first off, you drive. Don't talk. Just sit there. No, no talky talk. That's my job. I don't know how you got on my podcast. Secondly, the SIG is what they're known as, the Center for Inquiry Investigations Group. They have a cash prize of $250,000. You're like, I'm a boss there? You're like, 200 bucks? That's exactly my rent. 250? 
I can also buy an ice cream cone. 250000 This is an expensive ice cream cone. $250,000 if you can prove to them you can exhibit some sort of paranormal power. Now, it used to just be $100,000, but no one can do it, so they raised the price. Now, last episode, I talked about me being an empath, and I said, I don't know if I could do it on command. And it's funny, because when I said that caveat, I was specifically thinking about this story that I was going to do for this episode. If I went to the SIG, which actually, we're here right now. Let's test this hypothetical. We walk inside, and there's a bunch of nerds sitting around. They got... Put posters up. This is no fun. And then there's a, a Ghostbuster poster with the X through the ghost. And then there's a bigger X through the poster. And it's go, you can't even have Ghostbusters. Boo all paranormal stuff. We're like, let me crack my knuckles. Okay, let, let me use some of my paranormal power. And I can walk into this room and I'm an empath. And I go, looking around, and I point at dude and I go, your marriage is in trouble. I can tell right now your marriage is in trouble. And he goes, no, it's not. And then I go, it will be when your wife sees me. Whoa, Mimokushi, high five. Woo, No, no one's giving me a high five. I'm just standing in this room all by myself. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. If you, I, I, I might be able to go into a room. I don't think I could go in a room and dry read people or cold read people, I think is the word. I couldn't do that. But, but, but if I said, you take me to a house where some horrible event has happened. I could probably, more than likely, more than 50-50 chance, I could probably at least tell you something's gone wrong. But there's a bit of a, again, there's a gimmick to that. First off, if the house you take me to is all run down with, like, like wallpaper peeling, I'm like, something bad has gone on here. It's called water damage. If you took me to a really, really nice house, I would go, hmm, they're trying to trick me. Nothing bad ever happens in a mansion. Rich people never do anything wrong. That's what I would think, right? Because I'm an idiot. But since I'm not an idiot, since I can outthink these people, they're taking me to a nice house, assuming that I would think that it was too nice for something evil to happen. So I'm going to say something evil happened. So I just walk in and say something evil happened everywhere. You couldn't really test that, right? I couldn't have... Because they do actual real tests and stuff. They're, they they go over their stuff of how they test the stuff. You would have to literally do a double-blind study where you take an intern. You take two interns into two different rooms, violently beat one and not let me see the victim, and then the other one you play a game of Chinese checkers, and then I would have to go into the room and go, hmm, this room's covered in blood. It must be the, the violent assault one. It would be really hard to test this theory. And again, I don't necessarily think it's something supernatural. I think it's something everyone has, just some people... I, I'll 100% say it's not supernatural. I think it's something that everyone has. Just like some people can run marathons and some people can merely walk. I think I can run a half a half marathon with my ability. I don't think I'm super good at being an empath. But everyone can do it. Just some people are, are have trained themselves more. But anyways, they wouldn't... I don't think it would even buy that. But... This group, the, you know there's something coming here. This group, they're offering $250,000 if you can prove that you have paranormal abilities. There's going to be all the links in the show notes. You can actually fill it out yourself. If you go and prove you have paranormal activities, I get a finder's fee. I get 5000 bucks. So I encourage everyone who actually has paranormal abilities, don't troll them, right? We talked about that last episode. Don't troll them. But if you do have a authentic, <laughs> if, if one of my listeners happens to actually be one of the new gods, feel free to put me down on the recommended, recommend Dead Rabbit Radio recommended you, let me get some of that money, that 5000 bucks. you still get the full $250,000, but it's not easy. 
It's not easy. What they do is they have two sets of tests. They have an informal test, which is still incredibly rigorous, and then they have a formal test under strict scientific conditions. So I was looking through them. I might look through more of them, but the ones I looked through were already pretty intriguing. They had one guy, he said, that he could tell what was in a box. He was like a remote viewer. And and it takes months from the time you make the claim to the time they can get you out to L.A., or sometimes they'll do it on Zoom if, you know, if they really have to. This one guy was in, like, Moldova. They're like, oh, well, we know this is fake. We're not going to fly him out, right? But anyways, they said they did it on webcam, and he couldn't do it. But this guy said he could take an envelope, he could look at it, tell you what the picture was in the envelope. And, I mean, again, for the informal test, they had double-blind, like, they had one guy stuff the envelopes in a totally secure room Once all four envelopes were stuffed, he slid them under a door. So the person administering the test doesn't even know what's in the envelope. So they look... That's the thing. When I do tarot readings, which I haven't done in a long time, I'd look at your face or your body language. And when I would say something, if you reacted, however slight, I would know I was on the right track. If you didn't react, I would say something else. I'd be like, so you're having issues with your dad. No, your brother. (gasps) Yeah. As I've seen your brother stand behind you with an axe mid-swing. I'm like, look out! Should have come here an hour earlier before your brother picked up that axe from Home Depot. That's how you do it, right? So you have to have the double-blind study because if the guy started getting him right or wrong, the tester could be like smirking, being like, good thing we didn't fly this dude out from Moldova. So that's just the informal test. That's just the informal test where they do this stuff. Now, and and no one's been able to pass it so far. That's why they raised it up to $250,000. But let's take a look at... The, I'm going to go into detail with this one test they did because it leads us into our next story. And it's actually really recent. They're still doing this. They said about 6 to 10 people come out a year to test this, to be tested. And to this day, nobody's ever been successfully... I wonder if anyone's moved on to the formal stage. I'll, I'm going to do some more research on this, but because there's a ton of these studies, and it was interesting. You, you feel free to look through them yourself. But June 25th, 2020, so very, very recently, this man had been contacting back and forth. He goes by the initials TR. I don't know if that was actually a designation they gave him, but we'll just call him, we'll call him Tom for short, which is actually longer than TR, but you, you, you understand. Tom, less syllables, Tom had been contacting this group and saying that he had the ability to... Make static electricity come out of his hands. That's all he did was a sound effect over the phone. And they're like, well, he's in. Here's $250,000. He can make static electricity shoot out of his hands. He could create lightning in the sky. And he could teleport three feet. Why only three feet? What does that have to do with, with lightning? I don't know. Generally, superheroes have a... Well, it's not like he's a superhero. He's no Phoenix Jones. But it's not like he's actually saying he's a mutant. But he has the ability to shoot lightning out of his fingertips and call down lightning and teleport three feet. So he comes out to L.A. and they have photographs and they have video. I really wish I could have seen the video for this, but I couldn't find it. But I did look at these photographs. So they, the first test, out of those three, what are you going to test first, right? Okay, he can shoot static electricity out of his hands, which is basically any four-year-old with socks on. He can rain down lightning from the sky or maybe just make it go from cloud to cloud. And then he can teleport. Which one of those do you want to test the first, right? The teleport one, right? There's 100%. That's the, that's the one that is, if that if he teleported, you wouldn't be like, well, you couldn't call down lightning, so no money for you. Like, that's the deal, right? If someone shocked you, it'd be like, ah, give me $250,000. No. 
But if someone teleported, but then they're like, here, make it rain. He's like, I, I lied about that one. I can only teleport. So that was the first one they test. So we have this thing. They set up these chairs in about like a 12 foot row and covered it with a blue tarp to create a barrier. And they wanted him to teleport somewhere in this location. And so it's so funny to see a bunch of adults out in the middle of L.A. They're all geared up for the coronavirus. They all have masks on. But a bunch of adults, a bunch of adults have shown up because another adult told them he could teleport. And they're documenting all this stuff, right? It's just hilarious. So anyways, this guy shows up and he goes, I can teleport. And they go, okay, here's his barrier. Now he's set because they've been talking for months. He goes, I told you guys I can't teleport through stuff so i can't appear on one side of this barrier but i can teleport around it like i can go from one end and teleport to the end at this point the people are probably like just do it just just teleport i don't care if you're teleporting two feet in the air and you call it a jump like i just want to see movement so we get this this from this report they wrote upon being introduced to the tarp barrier tr or tom as we're calling him tom said that he can't go through things and reminded us that he must be moving to teleport. He soon after showed us what he meant, and walked around the barrier in a sort of herky-jerky motion. He asked if we saw the teleportation, and we replied that we did not. We only saw someone walking. (laughs) We only saw someone walking. We offered to show him the just-shot video of him, and he declined to view it. So... Apparently, I just imagined him kind of like walking like Samara from the ring, (laughs) but even more creepy because you're there in person, right? He walks and then he goes, you see it? You see I teleported? I have to move to teleport. I moved from one location to another and they're like, no, we didn't see it. Did you really teleport? Yeah. Do you want to watch the video? No, I'm I'm good. This is weird, right? And then, (laughs) that's like the definition of weird. Bunch of adults out in a parking lot trying to prove whether or not one of them can teleport. I don't know what he thought, like, when he moved, did he think... He was obviously walking, right? He obviously knew he was moving. He obviously knew he had some sort of motion in his body. So why he thought other... Did he honestly think he teleported? Did he think he could fool them? But who knows? I don't know. Anyways, they move on to the next test, which, (laughs) like, at that point... Now they're like, oh, at least we don't... We can put away this giant $250,000 check. He goes, I'm going to call lightning down from the sky. Now, they actually scheduled this meeting. They had to watch weather reports to make sure there's going to be no storms. I mean, these guys are pretty thorough. He's like, I have to, I'm going to call down lightning now, but I got to put in my, my music. So he puts in his earbuds and he raises his hands to the sky and he's listening to the music and he closes his eyes. And there's a photo of a dude just staring up at the sky looking for lightning. And it, it's like... It's like noon. It's the sunniest LA day. There's just a photograph of one of the researchers looking up in the sky. And there's no lightning. There's no lightning. That now that obviously you could chalk that up to chance. It could be weird. Would be really weird. And then at the end of it, at the end of that, he said, um, he saw electricity shooting out of his hands, but nobody else did. And they checked the camera just to be careful, just to be sure, make sure it wasn't moving at the speed of light. They, the camera didn't pick up any electricity either. As, as entertaining as I found this whole segment, there was one thing that I thought probably could have gone with that. At the ending, they kind of, this guy obviously, 
doesn't have any superpowers and believes that he does. In the end of this research report, they make kind of a comment about him being in rehab, and they ask him why he's in rehab, and he says he's in rehab for cocaine. They ask him, is he taking any schizophrenia medication? And he says no. Uh, that was, a, that was, I, I personally felt that was uncalled for. Like maybe it's, and then I go, did they mention that earlier in the report? And I did a word search for, if they had said at the beginning, he just came here from rehab, he's out for an hour to test his powers, then that would be a fine way to conclude it. But we, as a, as a researcher or as someone who's just reading the article, I get it. His powers don't work. Eh, you didn't really have to go, oh, he's in rehab too for a cocaine addiction. Like, I think it's, that might be, and that obviously might be causing some of these issues with him, but it just felt to me like they were kind of kicking him when he was down. On yesterday's episode, I talked about being, how I, how I could be way trollier than I actually am, and how we should strive to just be nicer to people on, on a kind of an existential level. It's kind of, and I, this kind of thing is what I'm talking about, right? Like, you're kicking him, he obviously doesn't have superpowers, he obviously proved that this guy has some issue, you don't have to add at the ending, oh yeah, and he's just out of rehab, cuckoo, cuckoo, yeah, that, it was, I was laughing, I was having a good laugh, I mean, actually, even though we should be nice to each other, I was having a good laugh at this dude, but there's a, there's a point, right guys, there's a point, like, I think it's okay to Say, this is story's fake. I do that all the time. This story's fake. and That was a long way of saying, give me some of that sweet, sweet $5,000. If you go and do this test and pass, make a $5,000 donation of a pay. No, no, no. You don't have to donate nothing. They'll pay me. They'll pay me. And I wanted to use this story as a springboard for this other story I'd been sitting on for a while, actually. Mokushi, let's hop in the carboner copter. We're saying goodbye to the skeptics. Lightning storm's coming. He's like, Pfft. we see the dude's eyes start glowing. We're like, get out of here. The skeptic scientists are hanging on to the landing gear. We're kicking him off. Uh, you deserve your fate. No. And before he hits the ground, lightning strikes him. Half of LA is getting destroyed. Now, as the helicopter is leaving this destructive scene, Tom has been unleashed. That's actually not far from the story I'm about to tell you. Mokushi, let's hightail it out. We're headed to Florida. We look back, the city of LA is a massive crater. Have you seen the trailer for that new movie, Greenland? Starring um, Leonidas and the Phantom? What's his name? Chris O'Dowd? Craig Robinson? What's that dude's name? He's the dude. Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. He's the dude. The movie looks great. I'm going to put that in the show notes. That looks amazing. I love movies like that. Greenland. Did whoever recommends watching the trailer for Greenland. We're headed out to Florida. It's 1979. And Florida is suffering a horrible drought. Now... There is a newspaper known as the National Enquirer. Now, newspapers probably... National Enquirer is interesting because it's actually a tabloid newspaper. But it tells the truth more often than the Weekly World News. The National Enquirer is more on a level of, like, the sun. Where it's a nationally recognized paper that does break stories. But they're super sensationalists. They will make up stuff, and they've been sued in the past. Weekly World News is a 100% fictional newspaper. Uh, National Enquirer's covered stuff like Roswell before Roswell was a big story. They've covered a lot of fringe stuff. We've talked about National Enquirer a couple times on... I don't use them as a main source, obviously, but they're, they're, they are a more... Re- they're a less reputable newspaper than 
every other newspaper, but more reputable than, say, the Weekly World News. So, But you have real people working for these things, and they're always looking for some sensational story. In 1979, Florida's hit with a drought. National Enquirer, the publishing headquarters, is in Florida. And you had an editor named Wayne Grover, who knew of a man who could control the weather. So he calls up, can't really call him a friend, an acquaintance, an ally, someone you'd want on your side. Calls up Ted Owens and says, hey, Ted, yeah, yeah, it's Wayne, yeah. Hey, uh, can you do something about this uh, drought? Kind of looking at his buddies on, yeah, yeah, in the office, yeah, I'm talking to Ted, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, this drought in Florida, man, it's so hot, can you take care of it? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool. Hangs up, he gives a thumb up to him, yeah, let's see what Ted can do this time, yeah, he says he can control the weather. Ten days later, massive storm hits Florida. Now, you're going, Jason, storms always hit Florida. But Wayne had a reason to call Ted. Let's go back to February 10th, 1920. That's when Ted Owens was born. He claimed that both of his grandparents had psychic powers, but that's not where this ended. That would just be the end of the episode. He believed by the age of four he could levitate. He said an imaginary friend taught him to read, and he later learned how to hypnotize people. In the 1940s, he began serving in the U.S. Navy. And that's when he really began to believe he had powers. He believed he was psychokinetic, which would be an equivalent of telekinesis. You basically can move stuff, create stuff with your mind. Specifically, he believed that he could cause lightning storms. He could control the weather, violent weather. Even though his grandparents were psychic, he believed that he was actually chosen by aliens That aliens wanted to see what a human body can do. Here's a quote from him. Quote, I'm an experiment with them, being the aliens. I'm an experiment with them to find out just how much PK power a human being can absorb and stand. It took them literally ages to find a human being, myself, with whom they could communicate back and forth. Unquote. What's super interesting is if this story happened anywhere close to the internet age, Things would be completely different. This this story is absolutely fascinating, and it starts and ends right before people can actually document this stuff. And it is fairly well documented. But if this happened nowadays, he starts saying that he can cause hurricanes. That's really his his bread and butter, right? One of the most destructive natural events on the planet. And he begins sending letters to the U.S. government saying, "There's going to be a hurricane. It's going to hit here." It's going to be a hurricane. It's going to hit here. Now, he wasn't just sending them to some flunky of the government. He was doing that. But he was also letting other people know. Wayne Grover, for example. Wayne Grover became a confidant of his later on. So he's sending out these letters to the U.S. government. But obviously, they're just thinking he's a crackpot. He has this weird, quick fall off. He didn't seem to be the most stable person to begin with. I mean, he's levitating at age four, right? That can't be good for your psyche. That must give you some sort of... If if it's true, obviously, that would make him feel so far separated from normal people. How could you even stand being around them? But he does have a family. In 1969, he quits his job. He's really not doing much, but he believes that he should be paid for his powers. That people should pay him because he's so powerful. He has this weird money-making scheme where he starts to send letters to football teams and say... If you don't pay me X amount of money, your team's going to lose. People are like, what? No, we're not going to do that, obviously. We're not going to do that. And then the game would come. Sunday would come. Disastrous loss for the team. Now, 
there's an easy way and a hard way to do predictions. The easiest way is to write a riddle, and then afterwards, anything that even comes close to the riddle, go, predicted that. That's not what Ted Owens was doing. He would send letters out to everybody. He'd send them out to news agencies, to football coaches, friends of his. Wayne Grover, who ends up becoming a close confidant of his, would get letters and say, Buffalo Bills are going to suck today. And everyone goes, they always suck. And he goes, no, no, especially suck today. And they would watch the game with bated breath, and they would just lose. Fumbles, mistakes, stuff that they should know better. They'd lose. But the teams weren't paying him money. Is it a fluke? What's going on here? But he would predict it, send it out to multiple people, and then say, see, I told you. You need to pay me money or your sports team's going to fail. What does it have to do with lightning? Well, trust me, that was basically on an off day when he was messing with football games. At one point, he thinks the city of Cleveland is dissing him, that they weren't giving him the respect he deserves, which, I mean... That's how any normal person feels in any city, right? But we're not Ted Owens. He sends out letters. Cleveland disrespected Ted Owens. Cleveland is going to pay. I will cause devastation. I will cause a heat wave to strike the city. People are going to go mad. They're going to hear voices. Lightning storms, plane crashes, blackouts across the city. Nobody disrespects Ted Owens. That summer, lightning storms killed three people in the city. Citywide blackout. Week-long heat wave. And oddly enough, people were calling up City Hall at all hours. Hello? Hello? City Hall? You gotta get it out of my head. What's going on? I can hear him. I can hear God in my head, and you gotta get the voices out. Gotta get them out. Some people said they were getting messages in their head beamed from space or getting intercepting secret transmissions from spies. That was May 30th, 1972, when he made the claim that he was going to strike at the city of Cleveland. And then that summer, we had all of that. January 30th, 1976, Ted Owens said he would end the California drought. He began sending these letters out. I will end the drought. Could use a little extra money money to take care of it, but to show in good faith, I am going to end this drought. February 5th, not even a week later, The first snowstorm in 100 years hit San Francisco. Lightning storms. People are killed. And this time UFOs are sighted. There's an increase in UFO sightings around San Francisco. This is where Wayne Grover and a couple other people enter the scene. Because National Enquirer is picking up on all this stuff. In 1979, National Enquirer sends out Wayne Grover and Don Horine to meet up with Ted Owens. Because Ted Owens says he can make a UFO appear like that. You can just see one with him. It'd be great. We'll come out with our photographer. We're going to stand here in this alleyway. This UFO is going to appear. It's going to be awesome. Now, Ted Owens is doing whatever he does. And at a certain point, Wayne and Dawn are kind of looking at each other and like, this isn't working. Just like those guys at SIG. Like, this isn't working. So they end up saying, we don't see a UFO. Now, Ted goes, no, no, no. It was right there. I could totally see the UFO. Didn't you see me teleport? And they're like... Ted Owens felt that he was disrespected. It was a waste of his time. This was supposed to be finally some big exposure for him. Honestly, National Choir probably offered him some money because they've done stuff like that in the past. But there's no UFO. So they leave. The story's over with. Ted feels double-crossed. He actually curses Don Horeen. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your wife. And I'm going to bring another drought to Florida. And all three things happen. At this point, this is where Wayne Grover, because Wayne Grover had talked to him before, before the UFO incident as well, but 
this is where things really kind of start to take a turn for not just Ted, but Wayne. Because Wayne is now thinking, this guy might actually be legit. And he begins steady phone conversations and mail correspondence with Ted Owens. And he says, this is what would happen. I would get a phone call from Ted saying something was going to happen. Very specific, not just like, oh, there's going to be an uprising somewhere in the world. It'd be like, there's going to be a hurricane. It's going to hit here. Then I would receive a letter from Ted saying, this is where the hurricane's going to hit. And then I'd either get a phone call uh, or newspaper clippings or both showing that he was right. And Wayne Grover started off thinking this was all kind of funny. In the end, he said it was about 80% accuracy that this guy was putting this information forth. At one point, there was a hurricane headed towards Florida, and Wayne was talking to Ted almost jokingly and was like, yeah, you know, we probably can't afford to get hit by another hurricane. Ted goes, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of the cane. That's what he called him. It dissipated before it made landfall. There was another time he said... Yeah, there's another hurricane coming. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And it went and it hit South Carolina instead and caused massive damage. Now, obviously, hurricanes are always hitting Florida, and sometimes they dissipate and things like that. I actually have a theory about Ted Owens, but let's finish out this story. He feels like he's powerful, obviously, right? If you believe that you can create hurricanes to move hurricanes out of the way, you should be paid for it. But he was more well-known in the sports pages than he was for anything else. Sports writers would talk about this guy because he would send them articles. He would send them letters saying, Philadelphia Eagles are going to have a bad game this Sunday unless the coach pays me X amount of dollars. People want to take it seriously and they would lose. He was reported about way more in the sports pages than he was covered in national news or anything like that. And he couldn't deal with that. He's a superhuman I'm sure it's funny. I'm sure some of the teams actually paid him off. I'm sure that people never admitted to it, but I'm sure a couple of the teams actually paid him off. And he told Wayne, he goes, I can't make a team win. I can make a team lose. So if a team came to him and said, hey, can we win this week? He can't. He couldn't make, he couldn't have a good outcome. He couldn't make an average team better or a better team have good luck. He could only make a team worse. In the end, though, he ended up homeless. And he's in New York City. He's still in contact with Wayne Grover at this point. And he's completely bitter. Obviously, I don't think there were many happy homeless people. He's completely bitter. And he, to the end, believed that the government needed to pay him. But he also began to confide in Wayne that he felt his powers were diminishing. He was losing the ability to control the things he used to control. Wayne Grover said in the end, in 1987, he gets a phone call from Ted Owens and says, a UFO's coming to pick me up. Me and my family are in New York City. A UFO's coming to pick us all up. I want to tell you something, Ted. We have this quote from Wayne Grover. It says, quote, The predictions of that last conversation changed my life and caused me to wonder where science leaves off and the unknown begins. His family did not disappear on a UFO, neither did he. He ended up dying that year of cirrhosis of the liver. Interesting story. You see what I mean? Like, if this was happening nowadays, when he's sending out letters to these newspapers in the 60s and the 70s and stuff like that, and you'd have editors throwing them in the trash or passing them around as jokes, could you imagine if he had access to YouTube or any internet forum? I mean, it would be a totally different ballgame, right? Now, now, it's definitely possible that this guy was making random guesses. 80% is outside the chance of randomness, but... We're taking Wayne Grover's 
word for that that thing. He's saying I definitely was getting a lot of hits from this guy. But yeah, if that had happened today where everything can be documented, he could pull out his phone and go, I got a prediction for you. The Buffalo Bills still suck. It's a million views. Actually, that'd be his least viewed video. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know. But imagine that, pulling out YouTube, going on Snapchat. A real-life 2028 man, right? But but one who could also control lightning. I have a theory about this guy. Let's just... It's very interesting because there's very like all of the there's a lot of resources on this guy and there's basically they all corroborate each other. There's a book called The PK Man, which kind of combines all this stuff. But there's two there's three possibilities. One who's just very lucky, but someone who <laughs> dies homeless with cirrhosis of the liver. I don't think you can define as lucky. He just had good guessing abilities too. He did have the ability to call down lightning to stop storms. He claimed that he actually killed a hundred people who were in an airplane once through lightning i wasn't able to corroborate that i only found that in one source so i didn't include that in the main narrative but so he would claim a bunch of stuff we don't know if that's true but he said that you know he can call down lightning he can create and diminish storms and all that stuff he can make football teams win and lose these are his powers what other power or what other ability would give you all of those things time traveler every single one of those events would have been documented right? Hurricane reports, massive storms, electrical disturbances in the city, teams winning and losing, every single thing. You can even add UFO sightings to that. I have a list of nearly every UFO sighting in the world. I I check it out all the time. Time traveler. Someone who came back with the knowledge of the world before him. That would actually be a more reasonable answer than someone who would have the ability to do these things. Because that's why he said, I can't make one team better, but I can make a team lose. He just knows which team loses. And it wouldn't be every game. It would be games with losses that were so odd, they would stick out. And the ones that he got wrong would just be ones he forgot. So I think a time traveler makes more sense. But more interesting than that is what if he's an unwilling time traveler? What if he didn't travel back in time as an adult, but traveled back in time as a child? Lived an adult life in a future, traveled back in time, and relived the life and remembered the things. And even weirder, what if it's backwards reincarnation? I know now I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there, but someone who lived in the future and they reincarnated in the past. A true glitch in the system. Wasn't able to predict what movies were going to be big box office hits. Wasn't interested in that in the future. Was interested in sports. Interested in hurricanes. Interested in weird events. And whether they ended up here as a time traveler and simply made up a story of their past, or something even weirder happened, reincarnating backwards or time traveling back and being reborn. None of it's provable, obviously. But it would be interesting to see what the SIG, that skeptic group, could test with Ted Owens. He could either come out there and go, I'm going to cause lightning in five days, and then a massive storm hits so they can go, huh. Or he could just arrange for the test to take place on a Tuesday and sit there and go, a freak storm is hitting Talladega right now. They go and they check the news. What? Because he knew that was coming. The whole time I was reading the story, I was thinking, time traveler, he knows these events. He can't control them. He's predicting them. 
And it would be even more interesting if he doesn't know he's predicting them. He feels a tingle in his skin. He gets a hint of a memory, a vision, some might call it. But it's really just him remembering, sitting down and watching a game and going, those damn Bills! Can't believe they lost again. Like they always do. I don't know why I bet money on them. Ted Owens, the PK man, as he's known, is all but forgotten nowadays. I had no idea who this guy was. Never heard the story before. Some of you guys may be familiar with him, but I hadn't heard of it. And it's fairly well documented. It's fairly well documented. Of course, one of the documentarians is working for the National Enquirer, which throws a lot of stuff in a suspect, but not everything. Did Ted Owens have special powers that would have earned him $250,000 today? Or was he just able to predict the future, which would also earn him $250,000? His biggest problem wasn't that he was a man born with special powers and the world didn't understand him. His biggest problem was he was a man born with special powers in the wrong time period. If he was born today, not only would he have $250,000, he would have a massive following of fans, of worshippers falling at his feet, waiting for his next prediction. On YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter. If Ted Owens was a time traveler, he ended up coming back to the wrong time. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.